Welcome back to Bandit Time. I am the Bandit. I hope you did not overreact, at least with your fantasy teams. It's okay if you're overreacting to the last two weeks, everything that has happened, all the injuries, all the mayhem that comes with the chaos that is an NFL season. But I hope you didn't pull a move like my grandma did in our family league when she decided to drop Jonathan Taylor after week one for Roshan Johnson. Now, we do have an injured reserve spot, and Jonathan Taylor, as you may know, you probably know, is on PUP. She could have moved him to the IR spot. She did not. She dropped him. Chaos ensued in the league chat. It's okay. Instead of all of us bidding $1,000 to try to acquire Jonathan Taylor, we just moved him back onto the roster into that IR spot. And she was like, why is he still on my team? So it's all right. <laughs> it's okay, Grandma. Uh, you'll be happy in a couple weeks when Jonathan Taylor is back and actually playable. So I hope you didn't overreact like that because it's still a little early. The fantasy world, the fantasy analysts out there, they are trying to decipher the past two weeks, everything that has happened, drawing conclusions. Uh, when it's it's too early for that. It really is. I mean, just want to say that like if you start out 0-2, 0-3, you can still make the playoffs. You can probably still make the playoffs at 0-5. It's just going to be a little bit tougher. It's just 0-4. It's really not that, that big of a deal. You're not going to get fired. <laughs> this isn't the actual NFL. Uh, you can still make the playoffs because just as a reminder, you just have to finish sixth in your league to make the playoffs in in most leagues maybe you have to just finish fourth if it's 10 person league or an eight person league something like that but remember you just have to finish in sixth to get into the tournament you don't really need that home field buy i mean who really wants to buy anyways it's boring you want to play fantasy every week i mean sure it's nice to advance and get to the semis of your fantasy playoffs and uh, we're always thinking about the playoffs here but part of that is just Let's take a step back and remember that it's only been two weeks. You just got to finish sixth. And we don't know enough yet to really go crazy. We can react and try to get proactive. But, you know, right now there's the sleeper. If you're using sleeper, if you're using ESPN, if you're using Yahoo, typically what you're going to see is red and green um, highlighted of the the abbreviation of the NFL team. So say like Detroit is green versus the tight ends. Um, so they have a you know Kyle Pitts this week. Uh, you know C J Gardner Johnson. He is maybe out for the season. The safety that the Detroit Lions brought in. Kyle Pitts looks like a good play against the Detroit Lions because you know. They, they have been weak against the, the tight ends thus far. But it's Arthur Smith. It's the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Smith is a puppeteer. He's not letting Desmond Ritter do, you know, act like an actual quarterback. He's just hearing what Arthur wants him to do and executing it as soon as possible. So, you know, there, there are situations here where people are trying to draw conclusions or, you know, just if, you, if somebody in your league isn't actually ingesting taking in all this fantasy intel all the time but they're just simply looking at the projections and they're looking at who's a good matchup who's a bad matchup 
you know, for example, Jerome Ford this week, he's a big pickup. He was probably the big pickup on waivers uh, with the Nick Chubb injury. He's going up against the Tennessee Titans, who have the number one rush defense. You know, they, they have been known as a pass funnel, which encourages teams to pass against them. However, it's just because the, the rush defense has been very good. It's just, you know, they haven't necessarily played a team yet with a fearsome rushing attack. In week one, they were going up against Jamal Williams um, as the main main rusher in New Orleans there. And he's not, you know, he's more of a hammer, sort of a goal line type of back, um, at least at this stage in his career. In week two, they got Joshua Kelly who is backing up Austin Eckler, who's out and might be out for a little while. And that's just, you know, not all that intimidating. Now in week three, it's Jerome Ford, and people are thinking, okay, maybe maybe Jerome Ford can do it because look at what Nick Chubb did. And sure, he might be able to, but now they, they brought in Kareem Hunt. And it's just, it's one of those things where in some instances, these, you know, the Tennessee rush defense, when you're you're going to plug in Jerome Ford into your lineup, you're going to see a one that's red and Tennessee that's red, T-E-N, red. And that means that they're the best rush defense. And in this case, you know, there's probably some cause for concern. I know a lot of people don't aren't really worried about Kareem Hunt, but if you if you go back to the box scores last year, if you go back to the games last year that Deshaun Watson started when they had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. In the early parts of those games when, you know, the the Cleveland Browns were able to operate off of their game script, what they wanted to do going into the game, Kareem Hunt was targeted early and often in those games. You know, it wasn't the, the hope this year was that Nick Chubb was going to be used more in the passing game. I'm not sure Jerome Ford will be used more in the passing game. And I think with Kareem Hunt, actually, the reason that he wasn't signed by a team, he was brought in in a couple places, it was actually just all about the money, probably, for him, whereas he could have went other places, Um, you know, he could have signed in the summer, but he was waiting for the right opportunity to get paid. This isn't the scenario has has been painted by some fantasy analysts out there that it's just like, you know... They could have brought Kareem Hunt back, but they chose not to. No, he was a free agent. He had a choice. This wasn't a Jonathan Taylor situation where the Colts literally control his contract. Kareem Hunt is out of that part of his, you know, horrible part of his professional life where the the franchise actually dictates basically everything. And with running backs now, they can really control your, your destiny and... Kareem Hunt, he took that into his own hands, and so now he can earn up to $4 billion, and I think that the way that Deshaun Watson has played thus far for the Browns, um, they're probably going to want to give him some gimmies here, and I think Kareem Hunt could be the beneficiary of that uh, here early on, but I got on a tangent there. Basically, I just wanted to get back to don't overreact to the, you know, the rankings of the the defenses and stuff like that in the apps right now. I mean, those aren't going to be set. Um, and one other thing is just uh, on Tuesdays in Sleeper or in, in other apps, probably in ESPN, Yahoo, whatever it is. Um, on Tuesdays, when your roster's unlocked from the previous week um, and, you know, you can go and start making waiver claims, 
what you can do there is, and this is especially crucial in dynasty leagues as well, it's just what you can do is you're going to want to sort of on Tuesday mornings or, you know, Tuesday afternoon, whenever you can really get to it, uh, the sooner the better, usually. You're going to want to set up your lineup for that week. It's not; It doesn't have to be set in stone, but basically there are going to be players that were ruled out maybe with a concussion or maybe, you know, they were kind of a healthy scratch or something, and maybe you were able to put them on an IR in your league, but they're going to quickly be, you know, upgraded to questionable or healthy or something like that, and then you're going to get a red bar on the top of your sleeper app that says you have players that are no longer eligible to be put on IR please activate them and what you can do is you can just ignore that you can ignore that you're not going to be able to reset your starting lineup so if you do have somebody that you want to play that's in like a Thursday night game get them in get them into a starting slot you know the quarterback running back wide receiver tight end not the flex get them into the starting spot on Tuesday uh, just so you can have that flexibility because you can still make trades, you can still make waiver additions. You're just not going to be able to edit your starting lineup until, say, Friday, Saturday, Sunday-ish when you really have to. And if you can just ignore that blinking red light, it's not blinking, but you know, in your mind, you might just be like, I just want to get rid of this. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things where you can take advantage of the settings of the platform and just, you know, you're not going to have to drop those guys off of IR or you're not going to have to make, you know, to, to reactivate. So say in a dynasty league, I put Kenneth Gainwell onto my IR last week, early on Tuesday, maybe after practice, or maybe it was on Wednesday, he got upgraded to questionable again. And it said like, I have an ineligible spot. And if I wanted to just impatiently activate Kenneth Gainwell to my bench, I could have done that. Uh, but then I would have had to drop, you know, one of the guys that I picked up when I was able to move Kenneth Gainwell to IR last week. So rather than do that, and you know the chaos of the NFL season, there's probably going to be guys who are going to be ruled out by the end of the week, by Friday or by Saturday, or, you know, an hour and a half before game time when inactives come out. Um, so you could just kind of get ahead of that if on Tuesdays, if one of the first things you do, say you check your, your app or, you know, if it's on Sleeper, there's going to be that weekly report that comes in around noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, something like that, depending on your league. Just go ahead and make sure your lineup, your starting lineup is kind of where you would like it to be heading into the next week. And then you can kind of get around and, you know, cheat the system a little bit and, uh, as a bandit, you, you got to take advantage. You got to take advantage. You got to cheat the system sometimes. So, all right. That is what I wanted to get to out of, you know, get that stuff out of the way. Um, I wanted to talk about those things, being proactive um, and identifying trends. Again, this is just going back to what I said about if you start 0-4, that's okay. You're just trying to finish sixth, and you know I I mentioned in a recent show that the first six weeks are crucial. They're really really important, and one of the things that I published this week on the website Bandit.Football, and if you go if you want to go to the website, you're gonna have to put in the HTTPS, you know, colon slash slash Bandit.Football. I mean the .Football the vanity URL. 
It might not cooperate if you just put in bandit.football without the www, without the https, because um, it's new. You know, Google doesn't know. I mean, it's it's. I bought it through the Google domains, so it should know, but whatever. Anyways, not relevant. I published a piece called The Next Wide Receiver One, where I was looking at trends going back the past five years, and uh, what I found was that Wide receivers that were targeted at least 12 times through the first two weeks of the season, they finish as a top 12 PPR wide receiver, or they have finished as a top 12 PPR wide receiver 50% of the time. And so through two weeks, 10 wide receivers have met that mark. So there's a good chance five or six of them, if you know we're going on that top 12, six of those guys are going to end the season as top 12 PPR wide receivers. Now, is it going to be Puka Nakua? Has he already scored too many points here in the early going? Has Tyreek Hill already scored too many points? Uh, They both met the threshold. Puka sailed past it. You know, he's almost at 36 targets over two weeks. He's at 35, just crushing it. But, you know, he's already, he could have already scored more than a quarter of his season-long points. It's just, do you believe, do you believe that he can keep this up to score enough points in it. It does look like he can finish the season as a top 12 wide receiver if he's scoring right around 12 to 13 PPR points the rest of the game per or the rest of the way per game, which uh seems pretty doable with his usage even with Cooper Cup coming back and the rest of that Rams offense. So if you want to go take a look at that, again it's at the website bandit.football. That's the Uh, The next wide receiver one, I'm going to do another update in that series after week four and then again after week six to hopefully, you know, paint a bigger picture about like who we're targeting for the rest of the season at that point. At that point, I'll probably publish my rest of the season rankings as well as, you know, refresh my dynasty rankings and actually publish and make those available on the site too because we will have, you know, by that point, then you can overreact. And I don't think it's overreacting six weeks into the season when half the fantasy regular season is over with. That's when you can react and hopefully you've been proactive to that point and you can start looking toward the playoffs. Um, And that, you know, that's what we're looking for. We're looking to win the championship, looking at the playoffs. So if you want to go check that out, again, the next wide receiver one, that is at bandit.football. And then now I just want to get to the game of the week. And the game of the week is, of course, the Denver Broncos traveling to Miami, to South Beach, to play the Miami Dolphins. And the reason this is the game of the week to me is that Vic Fangio, defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, used to coach for the Denver Broncos. And, oh boy, does he probably want to lay it to, you know, just put it on him. And, um... The real reason, the sneaky reason this is the game of the week is a lot of a lot of games around the NFL this week are getting talked about as potential concerns for the rain, for the wind, the tropical storms, stuff like that. A lot of it in the mid-Atlantic region, sort of the Washington, D.C. region with that Washington-Buffalo game, go Bills. That's a little bit in question, uh, but what I want to talk about with the Miami game is that you may have seen this in so, on social media over the over the years, or maybe you remember the game last year at Miami in Week Three, which was against the Buffalo Bills. And the way that Hard Rock Stadium, where the Dolphins play, is aligned, 
the visitor sideline is just cooking in the sun in these early games. So if if it is sunny, if there's not cloud coverage, if there's no rain in Miami, if it's just, uh, you know, a hot Miami fall September day, which it's not fall, it's still summer there. Um, the real feel, I checked the weather before I hopped on to record here, and it's supposed to feel like 95. The game last year was about 88, 89, so it could be hotter than it was last year. And in that game, the sideline was, you know, it felt, the real feel felt like it was way over 100 degrees. And of course, they made a bigger deal of it out of it because it's coming from Buffalo, you know, the cold, the cold, wintry Buffalo. Uh, but Denver, you know, if they got to go down there and they got to, if they're lining up and they're warming up and they're on that sideline and it is cooking, the way that Mike McDaniel called the game last year was, you know, quick strikes efficiency. Um, and he's done that this year too. And I think Jalen Waddle was the main beneficiary of it last year. And uh, Waddle might not play this week with concussion like symptoms. So it stands to reason that it would be Tyreek Hill, who's currently the wide receiver one in fantasy and um i just want to caution people because this is one of those games where it could produce an overreaction where it's it's sort of like just keep keep it in mind that the play calling and the opportunities could be very lopsided because last year in that game the bills ran 86 plays to the dolphins 37 so 37 is not a lot i think Tua attempted 18 total passes. So if you're thinking that Miami is going to, you know, just be lighting up the scoreboard, they might not. I mean, I think that game ended up 21-19, something like that. And Bill's players were going to the locker room with exhaustion. They had to get IVs. It was just, it was brutal just because of that sun, that baking sun. And the way that Vic Fangio calls his defense is he is the sort of the godfather, the, the reason for this whole too high shell takeover where it's taking away the deep shot. And as we know from Russell Wilson's past in Seattle, those moon balls that he likes to throw, um, that's sort of the thing that gets taken away with these too high looks. And what Vic Fangio and many defenses want to do now is make you run the ball invite you to run the ball, pick up three, four, you know, they'll just keep letting you run the ball slowly, slowly down the field. And then Mike McDaniel's going to try to get explosive plays and score fast and then get the ball back to you, run the play slow down the field, or just complete short, short passes, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, just beyond it, or in this, in the intermediate middle of the field. And that is a place where Russell Wilson has typically struggled throughout his career. He's not very great over the middle. Maybe it has to do with his height. Who knows? Uh, maybe it's just because he wants to make big plays down the field. He's got that sort of big play mindset. He just wants to get it down the field. But so far throughout the season, I believe he's the quarterback seven. It looks like Sean Payton has been uh, a boon for him and sort of getting his career back on track. However, it's just, I think in this game, if you look back at the Bills-Dolphins game last year, Devin Singletary caught nine passes. So I think he finished as one of the top RBs on the week. That was just, you know, a smash spot for him. 
as far as fantasy is concerned, and I could see that being Samaj Pirine this week or Javante Williams. And I'm going to edit my rankings. I, I looked at them again before I hopped on, and I had jammed Javante Williams all the way up to the number five, which was like 20 spots ahead of consensus rankings. And I was like, okay, maybe pump the brakes. Um, but I do think that both Javante Williams and Samaj Pirine are RB2s this week. Uh, just based on what that defense is trying to do, um, I think they're going to invite the run. And then also, if they're going to run, if it plays out this way with the heat and everything, and McDaniel the menace, he's you know he wants to keep those guys out there sweating bullets, getting tired, dinking, dunking down the field, and just wearing them down. And then you know, just striking quickly with uh, his speedy playmakers, then. I could see Samaj P. Ryan and Javante Williams getting enough volume to get there in fantasy. And then hopefully somebody like a Jerry Judy, if Russell Wilson is able to hit those sort of shorter intermediate type of routes, those slants, digs across the middle, if he's able to hit those, hopefully this is the week where Jerry Judy kind of emerges as the top target uh, for Denver moving forward versus Cortland Sutton. I mean... You know, Judy's been banged up, he's been hurt, and so he hasn't emerged as the wide receiver one just yet. Marvin Mims has looked very good in his limited snaps, but he's played limited snaps. So if they do run 86 plays like the Bills did last year, he could be out there quite a bit, and he's got a lot of juice, and he does like to run those sort of deep moon ball shots that Russell Wilson will still take. It's just... The defense is going to be actively trying to limit or prevent those on most downs. So, that's the game of the week. We'll see how it goes. I hope it's not too, too hot. I hope it actually does rain. I hope it's cloudy, just because I think that would be a better offensive environment for everybody versus just, you know, that very lopsided affair where it's just like, oh my God, they're just, they're really just trying to make these guys crumble in the heat and Mike McDaniel a Yale guy wouldn't put it past him would not put it past him to just take advantage there and and really you know try to make the Broncos suffer a bit and Vic Fangio they fired him he'd probably be all on board so that's the game of the week a lot of intrigue there and then looking forward here looking you know to the next show and to the next pieces that I'm kind of working on um I do want to talk about running backs in general because, you know, another year, another handful of the top running backs are hurt. I think Austin Eckler was the RB2 drafted. He's out. Last I checked, Brandon Staley said maybe a couple more weeks. You know, Jonathan Taylor, he's on the pup list. Um, That's a contract dispute, something like that. Aaron Jones, he was really good in week one, then he was hurt. Oh... Nick Chubb, horrific injury out for the season, Saquon Barkley, high ankle sprain, so on and so forth. And so this year we did see way more wide receivers drafted in the first round. And I think we will start to see that continue, but it's never going to go like the full zero RB bro, because zero RB is just a bad name. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't translate like most things. Um, that you know run away uh most things you know communication wise it's just if they get labeled with a bad name 
zero RB, it's just one of those things where people are going to be like, what do you mean zero RB? I need to start two of them. Um, and then there's the RB dead zone. So it's just like, you know, if it was labeled as mid-round RB, you know, sort of like the late round RB or late round quarterback, that that's very easy, very appropriately named, whereas zero RB is kind of catchy, you know, more of a marketing term that isn't the best communication. It's just people latch on to it. It gets popular and that's what sticks. Uh, if it was more middle round running back, something like that, I'm just rambling here. All I'm saying is I do think from a dynasty perspective, as we're looking to the next year, I think that in startups, running backs are going to be down bad more than ever. I mean, you you probably won't even see, you, maybe Bijan will be the only one who's taken early and then maybe rookies or Brees Hall, but it, it's going to be really, really bad, I think, from a dynasty perspective. And then moving on to next year, redraft, I do think we're going to see much of the same where it's going to be a lot of wide receivers, maybe more than we're more than we saw this year, but it's not going to be just a total abandonment of the running back position because most leagues you're still going to have to start two, and most people still are going to be like, zero RB, I, I need to start them. So anyways, I want to dig into that like I've done with the next wide receiver one. I'm going to try to find the next RB one and two because, you know, the next RB one, eh, I don't know. I It's kind of just... I'm going to look at the numbers, but the early returns are just like, okay, (laughs) let's just see what we can find here as far as guys that might be able to help us out and get us some points for the remainder of the season, you know, from week seven on. So that's kind of down the road. I'll try to get that all squared away and good to go by week six Um, and hopefully sooner. It's just I want to set the table there, the expectations. And then I want to, I think we need to talk about the Justins. Uh, Everybody's talking about Justin Fields right now, and deservedly so. I mean, the Bears are an absolute train wreck. Um, But Justin Herbert, really, uh, that's probably, I, I am most interested in watching the Denver Broncos at Miami Dolphins game, and then I'm most interested in seeing how the Justins perform this weekend. Fields and Herbert because need to see need to see Herbert return to that rookie form. I we got to get like a 400 yard game. I he's got to start he's got to start proving that he's got that sort of dog in him where he's gonna gonna get after it because I'm not sure that he's ever really gonna reach that tier and he's already been paid like that tier. But I I don't think. I don't know. I'm starting to get a little worried that he's just not in that sort of Burrow Mahomes type tier. Not maybe not even the Trevor Lawrence type of tier. Um, so I want to watch some of the games um, with the NFL Plus. I can watch, you know, the condensed replays. I can check out some All 22. I just want to see that this weekend. Um, that game, uh, the Chargers game against the Vikings. I think it has the highest point total of the week. As far as Vegas is concerned, so hopefully, hopefully this is a game where Herbert can really just light up the scoreboard because Eckler is out. The Vikings are going to pass, pass, pass. It's just like he should, he should have a better stat line than Kirk Cousins, right? <laughs> like, or else I'm going to really have to 
sort of dig into this and see from a dynasty perspective if he really should be up there with the upper echelon. So that's what I'm thinking about right now. I will, again, look at my rankings here um, and make my final tweaks to them uh, when inactives come out on Sunday morning. So that's around 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific. And I will make my final tweaks there. You can see them on bandit.football. Again, HTTPS colon slash slash www.bandit.football. Or you can check it out on social media um, at banditfella or at ffbandits or at bradthecatdad. You know, just hit me up if you have a message, you know, send me a message if you got any rankings questions, anything like that, any feedback. Got some great feedback this week about the next wide receiver one post. And so really looking forward to that. I am going to be sharing the spreadsheet that I put together with the subscribers there so they can take a look at that data, make a copy of it, kind of mess around with it. Hopefully they'll be able to find something else too. Maybe they'll share it with me. You know, if they find a little bit of intel, we can work together, kind of stack up these wins and Let's just get let's get to sixth place, all right? Sixth place, get in the tournament, and then go from there. Then you can win your championship. So that's all for me this time. Let's go, Buffalo. Go, Bills.